Gracious Heavenly Father, it is your grace and mercy that keep us faithful. It is your faithfulness that make us overcome our own unfaithfulness. It is your presence that gives us a hope and joy each day. Speak to us now and strengthen us so that we will serve you gratefully to the end of the end of the day. In the most faithful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Today, we will hear the last words of Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 9-22. As I read the passage, I hope that you hear it with an open heart and vivid imagination. So here we go, the last word of this great apostle. I feel like saying almost goodbye to a family member here because we've been meditating on Paul's letter for every fall for the last you know, five, six years. So it's a very poignant ending, but let's, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to the Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the clock I left with the coppers at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchment. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will pay, repay him for what he has done. You too. Be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it be not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message, uh, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and the older Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from all evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Great Priscilla and Aquila and the household Onesiphorus, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greet you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. What do you notice about Paul's last word? What is the one thing that you are impressed with? I wish I could hear everyone's impression. For me, although this greeting is a complex and complicated, it reveals the poignant reality of God's grace that humbles me so much. I feel that poignant reality of Paul's last picture of a life rebukes my arrogance and my complacency. First of all, here is the greatest apostle of all times, Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus. Paul wrote 13 out of 27 books of the New Testament. If you include the writings of Luke, 
who was discipled by Paul, his writing covers more than half of the New Testament. Paul served and founded the churches in Antioch, Galatian province, Ephesus, Asia Minor, Philippi, Thessalonica, Macedonia, Corinth, and Achaia, and more. His imprint in early Christianity is indelible and impressive. No wonder some liberal theologians and biblical scholars make a statement that Jesus was the only inspiration for Christianity, but it was really Paul, the real, real inventor of Christianity. By the way, that's how liberal scholarship revised and reduced Christianity from God's revelation to human religious movement. So don't buy that statement. One sentiment that I share with the liberal theologians and most New Testament scholars is that we cannot deny the formidable influence of a Paul in the New Testament churches. Often I feel that even Jesus has to outsource once in a while because his disciples were not as theologically and intellectually trained and equipped like a Paul. I like a homegrown so-called endemic leadership, but I also know that sometimes God can use someone to lead and teach us outside of our familiar training and the home spirituality. In other words, Paul was so-called GOAT. You know the acronym GOAT, greatest of all times? He is an apostle of a GOAT. That even Peter acknowledged Paul's ministry and spiritual authority in 2 Peter 3.15-16. That's actually the last word, just the last, one of the last paragraph in the Peter's letter. Peter said this, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Paul's teaching was so deep that even Peter had a hard time understand, uh, understanding some parts of it. Well, that's uh, very consoling to me because I often encounter many difficult parts in Paul's letters. Now, what is the ending scene of this uh, great apostle teaching us? Nothing can be more realistic and poignant then today's passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He was awaiting for execution in Roman maritime prison, a dungeon with a small hole for light and air. When you come, verse 13, he said, Bring the clock that I left with the coppers at Troas. He knows where he left his clock. <laughs> because I guess he doesn't have many, uh, many out of court and my scrolls, especially parchment. Paul was a cold and needed a coat. Also, he missed his books, especially the parchment. It reveals that Paul was studying scriptures to the end. He was a great teacher because he was a great student and reader first. Once again, it challenges me, and then should challenge all of us, teachers and pastors, 
of a house church is to read and study no matter what. If a death row inmate wants to read and study God's word, how much more should we read and study? By the way, I'm concerned and wondering if these days I overteach without a reading balance. I'm afraid of being outstretched and that I might jeopardize the quality of a spiritual food for Forest Church. I have a class, you know, every evening, Sunday to Thursday. So please pray for me that God will lead me to timely reading and relevant reflection out of my bare minimum reading these days. The most realistic description of Paul's life situation at the time comes from verse 17. I was delivered from lion's mouth. Here, lion's mouth was not a metaphor, nor a rhetorical description. It was a real lion with a real teeth. Romans were known to use hungry and ravenous lions and wild beasts to torment and kill POWs, criminals, and undesirables like uh, uh, Christians. That's how they entertained themselves. Christians were part of Roman cruel entertainment called gladiatorial contests or gladiatorial games. Pauline scholars think that Paul's Roman citizenship most likely spared him from this cruel entertainment as well as a shameful crucifixion while Peter was not a Roman citizen. That's why he was crucified. Pauline scholars and church tradition tells us that Paul was beheaded at the end. Another revealing truth in this passage was a Paul's yearning for his friends and colleagues. In his final short passage, Paul mentioned 17 names of different people. Most of them were his friends and co-laborers. It tells us that Paul was not a test-driven or goal-oriented, ruthless Christian leader, but a relational, gregarious, affectionate Christian leader. He felt concerned with the spiritual failure of Demas, his companion. He was concerned with the remaining threat of Alexander, the metal worker, to his friends. That's why he warned Timothy to be aware of him. All in all, Paul felt lonely, depressed, while longing for his friends and thanking God for faithful friends like Dr. Luke, who stayed with him to the end. Once again, nobody except Luke and Onesiphorus and few others knew the greatest apostle and the one of the most faithful servants of God was suffering injustice and persecution and the impending death. Only God and angels were watching the final days of Paul. If Paul served God to the end, Without any fanfares and fame, who are we, who am I, to expect a wide recognition for our service and obedience to God? This final picture of Paul rebukes my expectation for others' recognitions and shames my complacency. At the same time, it comforts me and all of us that God knows everything and God always welcomes us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so humbled by the faithful 
ministry of a faithful servant like Paul. We are also comforted by the fact that although the world does not know us, you know us and you know everything we do for you and for your people. Now we ask you to strengthen our spirit with the grace that you strengthen Paul and Timothy so that we can live faithfully to the last moment of our life and the last minute of our day today. In the most faithful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.